Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, start off by telling me, are you really fine? Welcome to No Really, I'm Fine. I travelled to London to meet John Waldron, a mental health nurse who works at St Andrew's Care. St Andrew's Care is a mental health charity who provides specialist care for those who have severe mental illnesses. I spoke to John, who has worked at St Andrew's for many years, about his new podcast, On The Ward, and that goes behind the scenes at St Andrew's. We also chatted about John's job and what it's like to work at a mental health hospital in the hope of breaking down that stigma which unfortunately still surrounds mental health institutions today. Now this episode may be a trigger for those who have suicidal thoughts or for those who have been detained under the Mental Health Act. However, it also may help change your views but it also may give you some guidance. Remember, help is out there if you need to talk. You can call Samaritans for free at any time on 116 123. Now we've got over some technical issues in the studio. I am joined by the lovely John. Hello, John. Hello, how are you? I'm okay, how are you? Are you really fine today? I am really fine. I was a little bit stressed. The train was cancelled. It was a bit late and we got here slightly late, but I'm a lot more comfortable now, apart from the mic issues. You say late, but you're about five minutes later though. Well, yeah, it's good to be on time though, isn't it? Down south is late two minutes and that's just late. Two minutes and the meeting's cancelled. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So for those of you who don't know John Waldron, he is a mental health nurse and he has launched a podcast called On The Ward. Now, John, tell us a bit about this. So I bet I start really by saying where I work. So I work in a secure hospital. So that's for people with severe mental illnesses. Uh, And the patients in the hospital are all sectioned. That means they're kind of detained. And I felt that there was lots of podcasts and great stuff about mental health, like you guys and other mental health podcasts that are really, really good at doing the kind of um, lower end stuff or the kind of beginnings of mental health. Yeah. But I didn't feel as much about mental illness as such. The kind of the severe uh, enduring mental illnesses. And particularly patients on the section. So they tend to be kind of forgotten about in the conversation. So there's loads of people sectioned every year. Um, I think there's over 50,000 a year sectioned. And there's lots of people currently on section. And I wanted to show that they're still human. They're still living. They're still doing things. And I wanted to maybe show them, you know, living their lives. Even the term section is very much judged in the media, isn't it, nowadays? Yeah, it's always, it's always negative. So if yeah. you're sectioned, that's really bad. Mm. And of course, like for someone to be sectioned, they probably are quite unwell. But I wanted to make it clear that they're sectioned, but they're still doing their treatment. They're still doing stuff and they're still, you know, creating music and art and life and going home, having visits. They don't just stop because they're sectioned. Life doesn't end. Mm. And I think that's a perception as well, is that when people are sent to hospital, they're sent away from society. You don't see them anymore. They're locked away and that's it. Um, but that's not the reality. Mm. So how did you come about to do the podcast then? What made you want to do it? Well, I'm a, a kind of a mature student. Not that mature, but... <laughs> I went to university quite late. I was very lucky that works. I worked for St. Andrews and I was very lucky. They sponsored me to do my training. 
I couldn't have done it without it because obviously, you know, I'm older, so I've got kids and a mortgage and things and, and the government have recently taken away all funding for mental health nursing. So I was very lucky I managed to get a place via work. And part of our dissertation project was we had to do a performance improvement plan. So it was something that would improve the place where you work. So that's where I came up with the idea of a podcast. Mm. It's a bit of a strange idea. And in fact, it wasn't a very good um, academic idea because uh, I got a D minus, but <laughs> pass is a pass, right? Um, but in terms of the project itself, so I planned it during the university. And then when I went into work, I went back to work for St. Andrews. I talked to lots of people and said, like, I know this is a strange idea. And it is quite strange to record patients because it's never really been done before. Mm. Um, so we, we had to go through lots of legal teams and get consent forms and speak to, you know, doctors and things like that. And we felt if we could keep, keep it anonymous, we still had the ability to record the patients and hear their voice. Yeah. I thought that was really important to to keep their voice because it's, like when I was at university, there was lots of case studies and things like that written down. And sometimes you'd have patients come in and tell you their story. But for people in the public, it's very hard for them to hear from patients. Um, and I don't think it has as much impact if it's written down. Does that make sense? Rather yeah. than getting it from the, the patient themselves. So, yeah. So anyway, we decided to record. We've done four episodes so far. There's only ever supposed to be five because um, I'm a very slow worker. I mean, I know you guys do one every week. I don't mm. know how you do it. but um, Never do I. <laughs> true so we i just wanted to do a limited kind of series as it yeah. were. and also there's not you know there's any limited amount of patience on the ward but it's gone really well so far and we've had lots of downloads lots of feedback and things like that and more importantly i think the patients enjoyed recording it mm. and also have enjoyed feedback that they've been getting from the public oh that's nice do you think it's almost a bit like a therapy session for them in some ways like sitting down and having that chat with you while they record the podcast absolutely a huge part of kind of recovery and things like that is telling your story mm. and, and an even bigger part is helping other people that might be in a similar situation that you were in. So uh, well, like this podcast, so hearing from people that have been in that kind of maybe low point in their life and they've come back and turned it around. And like I said, these patients have gone into severe mental illness. So they've had really, really um, difficult times and they've managed to turn it around and they're on the path to recovery. So I think that's important as well to show people that there is hope know even if you're in hospital or you're sectioned or you're mentally ill or whatever you've still got a chance to to get better and, and get well so have you always been a mental health nurse then well i've been a support worker for I don't know, maybe 15 years so both my parents are nurses mental health nurses so i've always been surrounded by mental health and so obviously when i went to university i did geography <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which had nothing to do with mental health i kind of kicked against it when i did geography but when i came out of university doing geography there wasn't many jobs for a geographer so I ended up being a support worker but I was I think like a lot of people in my early 20s I was like I'm not going to do anything here because I won't be here long mm. you know, so I was working in the hospital but I was thinking I'm not going to do any training or anything because I'm not going to be here very long yeah 10 years later I'm still there <laughs> you know uh, and like I said this opportunity came up for me to do my training and and I did it uh, and so I've become qualified in March so in March I've become a fully qualified mental health nurse before that I was a support worker so still working in the, the hospital and the environment but now I'm a qualified nurse so talk to me about what St. Andrews is like then, because I know you're very keen to sort of take away the stereotype of psychiatric hospitals and things like that. Because often, I mean, when I was a teenager, I used to think when you get put in a, a mental hospital, that, that's it, you don't get seen again. But I'm yes. pretty sure it's not like that. And, you know, films like we were talking about yeah. before, it's very much, you know, in, in white coats. Uh, jackets Yeah, elect um, electrocution, yes, things yeah. like that. So what's it like there? So it... It's not like that at all, really. Of course. Yeah. Um, so the biggest difference, I think, when people come in, the biggest thing they notice is that it's not clinical. Like, you know, like a hospital, general hospital, mm. it's all white and everything's clean. 
that's not like a, not that we're not clean, but, but, the, <laughs> but it's a lot more homely. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. so the, it's a lot more personalised. So there's the patients can all decorate their rooms and things like that, and they're all in their own separate rooms. It's not like a hospital environment as such, um, although we call it a hospital. So there's a lot more um, uniqueness to it. Mm. Say. And uh, so the patients don't wear uniforms. We don't wear uniforms. One of the biggest compliments I get, people see it as a strange one, but when people come in and they go, oh, I didn't know who was a patient. That's the idea. You know, I don't yeah. know what they expected that the patients would wear big stickers. Yeah. And I'm a patient. I'm fine. unwell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is not what we're going for. You know, we're trying no. to show that they're just like anybody else and we're trying to get them out. And another thing that people kind of get confused about, even my wife said, she said, because uh, we take the patients out regularly to go mm. to the community, to town, to home. She said, well, you take them out. So I didn't, she said, I didn't think they'd be allowed to leave hospital. And, that, and that's just her impression. And again, I don't blame anyone for having opinions yeah. like that because nobody's told them any different but yeah they have lots of leave leave is a really important part of them getting well and getting out mm. um so we have to kind of um take them out as much as we can and, and sometimes they have to be escorted with staff initially just to help them but eventually they go unescorted leave so they'll be out and interacting with the community so for those of our listeners who haven't perhaps listened to your podcast mm. how would you describe it so i guess we just have conversations with patients on the ward so people that are sectioned that had severe mental illness and they're kind of sectioned on our ward, but also we interviewed the staff too mm. to kind of give a flavour of what the hospital is like. So the two things I wanted to do, like one, as I've said, is kind of demystify the patients and serious mental illness, but two, demystify hospitals. So like you said, the, the Hollywood film version is the straight jackets and the padded cells. And I wanted to show that that's not really what the hospital is like. Mm. And, and we're very lucky because it's been out a bit of a while now. We've had feedback from some people saying, I wish I'd had this before I went into hospital. Yeah. The, I think the, the apprehension before people go in is almost worse than than getting there. You know, the anxiety of seeing what a hospital is like. Because if you do think of the Hollywood films, you think, I'm going to get locked away forever and give an electroshock therapy mm. and put in a straitjacket and sat in a corner and not do anything. But uh, so I wanted to show that that's not what we do anymore. Imagine some of the episodes are quite harder than others, depending on who you interview. How do yeah. you sort of get the patients to feel comfortable in, in talking about difficult situations? Or is that something that they're okay with? I mean... The patients we interviewed, we asked them beforehand, we, we made sure that they were confident. And we, similar to you, that we just said to them, you can talk about whatever you want. So I'm not, I didn't really press them, you know, very hard. I just kind of went in whatever direction they wanted to go in. But they were all really adamant that they wanted to tell their story and they wanted to show that they are still people, they are getting better, they're unwell, that they're still human and they wanted to show other people that you can get well too. And if you're in this position, you don't have to worry because you can get better. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was really powerful for them like you said, it's kind of a therapy, but it's kind of empowering that mm. you can own your own illness and kind of help other people by showing what your illness was like. And would you say the patients at St. Andrews are more male than female or is it quite a mixed bag? Yeah, so the hospital I work in, so St. Andrews is a huge big hospital in Northampton, but we're like an offshoot in Essex and we've got about 70 patients and they're mixed. So we have half and half. They're all um, in separate wards. So we have five wards, each of about 16 beds. Mm. Uh, male and female kind of separated so yeah we have both and I've worked in both and they're both very different very different kind of um, places to work the male I suppose traditionally is a lot more they're a lot less reluctant to talk shall we say I don't know just stereotypically I guess and then the women are a lot more open to talk but that's just my experience of that's interesting though because I feel like nowadays a lot of I mean certainly from my perception a lot of men are talking a bit more about the mental health aren't they yeah I mean it's getting way better yeah so all these kind of things like your podcast other podcasts they're brilliant at kind of um opening people up and getting them to talk when you get to our level so I have to kind of put the caveat in that we are the most extreme end as it were because these patients are severely unwell so they wouldn't be with us unless they're a risk to themselves or others so we're kind of 
at the end of the scale, as it were, whereas you guys are dealing with the start of the scale, which is really important too, because I think there's a kind of distinction between mental health and mental illness. Yes. But it's a bit weird because mental health could turn into mental illness if you don't look after it. But I'd say our guys and women are at the kind of extreme end of the mental illness scale. So the mm. long-term kind of, some of them lifetime of mental illnesses. Can you talk about any certain scenes that you've seen in the hospital? I know on your podcast, yeah. you, some of the doctors talk about, you know, certain things. Wasn't one where there was like a fight in, in a garden or something and they were going around and they were stuck in mud and... and oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those kind of things happen. I mean... It's really hard for me because obviously I'm trying to show the hospitals aren't as bad as people think. No, of course, and then, yeah. And then, I, and then obviously everyone, it's just natural, like humans, we always pick out the most exciting bits. So I'm not going to pick out the bits where I've played pool for five hours or gone to the gym. You know, I'm gonna. it's going to be the one um, extreme thing that's happened. But I suppose one of the, the hardest parts of my job, so I'll try and talk in generics yeah, of course. rather than using specifics. The hardest part, I guess, of my job is sometimes having to do things that I know is right and will benefit the patient but is also going to really upset the patient. Does that make sense? Yeah. And are all the patients adults or do you yeah, so, oh, Sorry, yeah, I should have said that. So they're all 18, we range from 18 to 60. Um, so they're all adult patients. I have worked in CAMS before and that was really um, interesting as well in the community. I did one of my placements was CAMS and that was really fascinating. It was both the best and the worst. Mm. So it was really good in the sense that I think kids nowadays are so much more switched on yeah. than we ever were. And they know much more about you know, mindfulness and they're aware of their emotions and things like that. But it was Negative in the sense that um, there's so many of them. Yeah, so and, many problems. and mental illness is increasing in, in young children, isn't it? Which is quite worrying. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and I think that's, I mean, I get political and things like that, but lack of resources in the community and the CAMS kind of stuff is eventually going to end up with patients coming to my hospital. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you don't deal with it early enough, then eventually it might lead to them being sectioned. I've found a, a lot of people nowadays as well, they seem quite open to talk about depression and anxiety mm. and there's a lot of acceptance of that on the outside world but there isn't enough talk I don't think and I think you pick up on this on schizophrenia and, and, and other illnesses would you agree and oh absolutely yeah, yeah. I, and as I say I don't think there's any I think there's room for both but there is like this kind of um Instagramified kind of everyone's happy to talk about anxiety and low-level depression and things like that but when people talk about psychosis like people are seeing things or maybe experiencing things that aren't real or if they're actively suicidal people tend to switch off or they're not as interested or not as willing to talk about them kind of things um and hopefully the podcast can change it a little bit so people can see that you know there are serious mental illnesses and it's okay to talk about them too and what are some of the illnesses that people come into the hospital with so all kinds of various different illnesses but we do have like patients that are schizophrenic so hearing voices um we have patients that are bipolar we do have lots of patients with personality disorder but as i say at the extreme end of it. So you can have them illnesses and live in the community and have a happy life and no problem. But sometimes there's patients that maybe are um, resistive to medications or can't do the therapies as well. And sometimes they have to come into hospital for, for a period of time. Mm. And, and like I say, that's not the end. So hopefully they come to us and they get better and they go out. So the whole idea of the hospital is to get people back into the community. And sometimes that uh, takes time and it takes a while and they have to do treatment. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to show that there is hope and, and a lot of them do get out and mm. have great lives in the community. And this is a question you ask your guests, so okay. I'm going to ask it to All you. Right. How did you feel when you started your job at the hospital? Well, I, like I said, I was very lucky in the sense that when I grew up, I was kind of surrounded by mental illness. So my mum and dad, like I said, were both nurses. And so we lived in nurses' quarters, like in a big hospital. Back in the day, the hospitals were huge and they were over you know, various different sites. Uh, so I was always 
aware of people with you know who were different and I wasn't ever kind of scared of it but in saying that the secure setting it is scary so when you go in you have mm. to go through like an airlock you have to get some keys because obviously everything's um, secure when you get to the hospital or you get to the ward the doors are locked you can't get out you can't get in and things like that we can because we have the keys but the patients can't and you're just kind of there and it is quite intimidating and scary initially when you first go there and it does take time get used to the patients and talk to the patients and, and get to know them before you um, kind of relax a little bit. And I suppose you've got to build that level of trust up with, with them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The, I think that's what comes across in the, I keep selling the podcast. Sorry, but no. I keep going on about it. But, um, but I think it comes across is that they all talk about the patients, the kind of running theme is, um, so I'm a nurse, obviously I kind of fixate on, you know, medication and therapy. <clears throat> they said, no, no, no. The thing that has helped them the most is building the connections with the staff and the other patients. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lesson for all of us that we all need to have human kind of connections and, and being able to talk to someone. And I think the big thing that they say, and I think is true, is it doesn't have to be really in-depth, meaningful conversations. You know, it doesn't have to be like talking like a therapy session. No. It can just be talking to someone about the weather or, or football or whatever it might be. That's important too, just to have them low-level conversations with people. Yeah, because sometimes loneliness, you know, affects people and people just want to, to talk to someone, don't they? Yeah, particularly this demographic of people because they are highly stigmatized even when they go out you know when they're out of hospital they're still stigmatized um we have one patient he talks on the podcast that he, when he goes home to visit his family or visit his local area he prefers to say that he's been in prison than say mm. he's been in mental hospital because he gets less prying questions which is really upsetting isn't it it's sad isn't it? you know yeah. sad. and uh, again i try to say this all the time but i don't blame people for having that opinion because if you've never seen a hospital or if you've never experienced it you are going to fill it in with what you have seen, which is probably Hollywood movies or, you mm. know, um, I don't know, stuff that's in the media and the press. So, yeah, hopefully, again, like I said, the podcast might change it a little bit. That, that's the goal of it, hopefully, is that some people might be able to listen to it and go, oh, actually, it's not as bad as I thought. And because of those thoughts as well, do you find some patients' families don't come and visit them because they're too scared to? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and So when I say about stigma and things like that, people have this kind of vague notion that oh, it's really unfair, the stigma, but it actually has real-world implications for us on the ward so we have had it where families won't come and visit one patient's family said that they thought it was like full of Hannibal Lecter's you know like serial killers everybody up against the wall yeah. with masks and, things. and again I don't blame them mm. I don't blame anyone because I think as mental health professionals we have been a bit slow to kind of show what the ward environment is like you, you never really get to see hospitals on TV you don't hear about them in the news and things like that unless it's bad yeah um, so I want to show maybe the positive side of it a little bit and for, hopefully for families not to be as scared. And going back to you, John, you, you mentioned your mum and dad were mental health nurses. Yes, right, yeah. So when you were younger, were you always encouraged to openly talk about your feelings and things that were going on? Yeah, absolutely. And even doing my training, so it's only the last couple of years, I feel like I've improved as a person because even doing the learning, you do learn all, all about um, mindfulness and, and being able to connect with yourself a little bit. And because there's lots of pressures at work, you can imagine the ward, as I said to you, you know, I'm trying to show it in a good light because mm. I think it's important. But it is a stressful environment sometimes, you know, but it's not all sunshine and light. There are tough times. These are patients that are very unwell. And I think you have to have a really strong sense of your own. What's the word I'm looking for? So you have to know that you've done the most you can do in that day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you if you know your own self-worth and you think, I've worked as hard as I can do today, you need to go home and switch off and not be kind of guilty that maybe the patient did this or couldn't do that or whatever. You've done the best you can on that day. I think that's very important. Do you find it easy to switch off after you go home after work? Sometimes it's hard, you know, you yeah. have to go home and you have to kind of decompress a little bit. But I tell you what I have done since I've started the role is I 
definitely enjoy my days off <laughs> a lot more because <laughs> the days on are quite you know, it can be hectic and busy and so when I have days off and doing things like this are great and, and just having fun and seeing your friends and I enjoy my days off a lot more yeah and you've got kids as well haven't you I yeah. have got kids yeah, yeah I should mention that yeah they're yeah. great as well <laughs> not stressful at all no <laughs> just thought of a story actually that a patient told me when we were trying to come up with a name for the podcast so we asked the patients we said oh you know uh, so the idea of the podcast is she showed to the public and maybe hopefully they can listen and find out about mental illness and things like that. What should we call it? And one of them said, maybe we should call it Madness for the Masses. And I thought, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good name. I mean, it is a good name, but I thought maybe, I don't know. We, we went on the ward instead. I thought it was a bit more... Um, I really like the name. I like yeah. it too, but I thought people might get the wrong idea. You know, I mean, this is a patient telling me, so, but people might think that I'm being, I don't know. But you could see what he's trying to get at, that we're trying yeah. to show, you know. I couldn't see that going down well on Apple no, Podcasts. <laughs> Well, I might get a few letters about that one, yeah. In the first episode, um, the patient that you speak to, there seems to be um, a running theme of he's had quite a few problems in other hospitals, but yes. when he's come to St Andrews, it's, yeah. it's got a lot better. Is yeah. that something that you've noticed a lot more or is it just... Sometimes. I think, so our hospital is a bit unique in the sense that, so most of the patients, some of the patients would have been in other places mm. and perhaps because of their risks and because of the way they present, the other hospitals can't cope, so they kind of send us to us. So I guess, for want of a better word, we get kind of the patients that are more extreme than, than other um, hospitals and we manage them as best we can. Uh, and I think sometimes we are able to do stuff slightly different than the NHS. So the NHS is really stretched and some of the hospitals are kind of overpopulated and things like that, whereas our place is maybe not as much. And so we have a bit more time to do a little bit more focused kind of therapies and things like that. Um, with that particular guy, he was um, incredibly unwell. Like he mentions on the podcast, he was one of the most unwell patients mm. I've seen. And so we were able to kind of spend that time with him and take time, um, whereas perhaps other places maybe didn't have the time. And that's not a slight on them. It's just that the you know, resources are really tight everywhere. But we had the opportunity to kind of take a longer approach with him than maybe other places couldn't. And it's nice the way you finish with one of his poems as well. Right. He loves his poetry. He counts it as the therapy as well. So mm. he writes his poetry and he kind of puts his thoughts down. And a lot of them say like, in some, the other podcasts we talk about music and sport and things like that it's way easier to do something when you think it's not therapy yeah. does that make sense it's easier to talk about stuff if it's not right can we sit down here and we're going to talk about your problems if you're doing something else music or art or poetry or football or whatever it is you're more likely to open up because you're not you're comfortable you guard, yeah your yeah. guard's not up I suppose yeah it's like more of a natural yeah and also and on top of that people I think sometimes find it easier to write stuff down mm. than to, to say it so to verbalise it sometimes is harder so writing it down is sometimes a, for me. I find that easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if I'm having a stressful moment, I'll just write everything down, yeah. and then it's like it's gone out of your head. Yeah, and I suppose sort of thing. you don't even have to show it to anyone. It's for yourself, really. Yeah. So to be able to kind of process it your own way. Mm. I think episode four, mm-hmm. the patient on on that one who is the same who writes a blog about kind of experiences of being in hospital, and I interviewed her on the podcast. She mentioned the same thing that she finds it really therapeutic to write stuff down, and obviously she, you know, she has published it and it's out there it's on the internet but she said even if it didn't i just enjoy getting the words down and, mm. and being able to kind of i suppose like you say process it it's almost like an online diary but that online diary is helping yeah. people as well yeah, yeah yeah which is quite nice what does your job involve describe right, a, a day before, in the life it's very it's very hard to describe because mental health nursing is so diverse and things like my day is like filled with loads and loads of different things and, it, and i suppose you can't really plan it because anything can yeah, happen. well, that, that's one of the difficulties and one of the joys, I guess, is that you'll go in and you never know what's going to happen. So a patient might be in distress and you have to focus on that patient for a little while and then another patient might need a bit of extra help, so you give them a bit of extra help. But in terms of what I do in the ward, I say the one thing I would say, 
for a start, is that so we are called nurses, mental health nurses, but I think we're very different to general nurses, people who work in physical health, just in the sense that we're actually working as a team. So I, if I'm helping the patients, they're doing most of the hard work and I'm just supporting them to kind of get better. Whereas if you went to a general hospital, they would fix your leg and patch you up and out, you would go. Whereas I'm a mental health nurse, we're going to have to work together with this because if you don't buy into it, it's not going to work. So uh, that's not a way of copping out or anything like that, but we do need the patient's involvement and their input. Uh, and that's what we try and do. We try and focus everything on um, helping the patient together. So yeah, nurse is a bit of a, not a misnomer because we are nurses, but we're very different to general nurses. Does that make sense? So in terms of my day, okay, so we go in the morning with handover. So handover is where we find out what happened in the night and the day before. This patient's slightly riskier. This patient's going home, whatever. Great. Then we have to do uh, plan the day. So one of the other things I have to do is manage the staff and staff are very tricky as well. You know, mm. they need to be managed too. Then we do medication. So medication is a big part of life on the ward. A lot of the patients are on medication three or four times a day. We have three medication slots. So they'll have to come, take their meds and, and go back. Uh, and then after we've done the meds, initially we have a, a community meeting. So we'll have a meeting where we get all the patients together, have a chat about what we're doing for the day. If there's any issues that are brought up on the ward, we can kind of talk them through. But it's more of a, that's not like a personalized thing. It's more of a general, the ward. Yeah. Then they go off and half 10, they start therapy sessions and the therapy sessions could be anything. So it can be like organized DBT kind of programs. You've heard of DBT and I haven't, CBT. no. I've heard of CBT. Oh, okay, yeah. so DBT is like dialective behavior therapy. Right. So it's similar to CBT, it's kind of branch off of CBT, but it's where they kind of learn skills to manage, right. um, so specifically skills to manage when they're in difficult situations. So we have DBT uh, or they might have a gym session or they might have their art session or they might have their music session or whatever. Come back for lunch, more medication, back out again. for. Th- when I say out, I mean they're in the hospital, but generally the therapies happen off ward. Or sometimes they can happen on the ward, but generally they're off the ward. They come back in the afternoon, more meds, back out again for more therapy. And in between times, there'll be patients that have got leave. Mm. We'll have to organise them going to leave. In between that, the might patients need to go to hospital for medical treatment. We'll have to organise that. Every patient is entitled to a tribunal. And I think it's auto, so you have to have one. So it's basically because you're detained, you have the right to argue that detention. Right, so yeah. legally we have, and they send judges into the hospital and we have to right, have like okay. a proper legal um, thing. So we have to prepare for them and then we have to have them and then they come up with a decision. So we have a tribunal and a managers. They're two kind of, um, what do you call it, legal things that they have to have. It's every six months, I want to say. So anyway, but you can imagine 16 patients. There's probably one every month probably. Yeah. So we have to organize them, do them. Then dinner time and a half seven or do the handover for the night staff and then go home but like I said that's just a generic day in between there'll be loads of things you know thrown at me in the middle of nowhere that mm. you have to kind of deal with on the day it's never not a busy day no so yeah. you might have family turn up and they haven't said that they're going to visit you're like okay so I have to organise that or there's other things that unfortunately we're not aware of and they're really difficult so like so say it might be an anniversary of a death for a patient so they're really upset and really sad and, and we'll have to kind of cope or deal with that and trying to help them but we didn't know it was coming. So everything's, I suppose, easier if you know the patients well and you know what's coming. You can kind of plan a little bit. Not that you can plan for things like that, but yeah. you know, can help and put things in place. Do a lot of the patients feel that they are ready to leave the mm. ward before they actually are? That's a really interesting question because we get both sides. Unfortunately, sometimes the patients don't know what they want themselves. So sometimes they've been in for a long time, so maybe you know a couple of years, and so they've got quite comfortable in, in this environment and they say they want to leave but then they'll be terrified as well because obviously it's really scary going from a, an environment like ours which mm. is quite secure and, and safe and they have people around to go into outside where maybe there won't be as many 
resources and as many people. Um, so they do get a bit worried about, about leaving. But we do have patients, yeah, that also believe that they shouldn't be there. I should not be detained. I think one of the one of the episodes is a guy who says that he's been here too long. Mm. He, he says, I'm ready to leave and I should have gone six months ago. And that that's fair enough that, you know, but we have to make a clinical decision and go, maybe you're not quite ready yet. And that, again, that's hard. Remember what I was saying earlier where it's sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do things that patients aren't yeah. going to like and, and I don't like doing it, but I think it's for their benefit. So I think sometimes if we let them out early, then something might happen and then they'll be back in. And so we want to get them ready so that hopefully they don't come back in. So it is hard. Yeah, we get both ends. We get patients that desperately want to leave and we get patients that desperately don't want to leave. So mm. that's quite hard. Yeah. Can you talk about what's been the hardest thing for you? I said the hardest is for me anyway, is disappointing the patients. So when there's something that I have to say to them that I know is going to be hard, for example, let's say they've got a visit coming up with their family and we think that maybe they're really unwell and perhaps it's not the best time for them to have a family visit or that they're going to have leave to go and visit their family. But the day before they might have done something quite serious and we're worried that if they go out, they might do something more serious. And then I have to kind of break that news to them. And, and that's really hard. It's hard for them more than me, you know, because I still get quite a lot of abuse and things like that, which is natural, I guess, but it's not it's still not easy to have it. You no. know, being called, I can't swear, but you know, yeah. whatever we, the, yeah. they, will, they will call me. But the next day, like they'll be back and they'll say, look, I was really sorry that I did that. I was just upset at the time. And we kind of carry on the next day. And that, that's hard. Sometimes you have to take that on board and just try not to take it personally, even though they might say something very personal. What's been one of your proudest moments then? It's always, I guess, when we have successes of patients going home and things like that. So we've had patients, I've taken patients home recently who hadn't been home for like five years. Wow. But, you know, been in various different hospitals, but hadn't actually gone home and visited there. Yeah. five years yeah. and, and so that was like a really proud moment for me and for me to be part of that to see you know them going back and meeting their family again was really um really good for me and, and good obviously great for them but it's good to be part of that does that make sense yeah especially when you've took the time to get to know them I suppose yeah. it almost comes like becomes like family for you yeah absolutely and again it comes across in the podcast that the patients say like that it does become like a, a family and a mm. unit that they're a community you know in the, in the hospital they are there for a while and so they get used to everybody and, and everybody wants to see everybody do well and, and some of them keep in contact with patients that have left the hospital and that's quite an important thing so if they go out they've got someone they can talk to and yeah and see like a community well. yeah. like built up yeah. yeah in one of the episodes mm. you mentioned that there was um a debate about delusions yeah and whether you go along with them or yes. not can you just explain, yeah, so, explain uh, about that so without going into specifics again some of the patients will have delusions so they'll have things that are i think are not real or i'm 99 sure not real so they might have had an affair with a member of the royal family or something like that the debate is do you dismiss that and you point out and you go no no that's incorrect you're wrong you didn't have an affair with anyone or you didn't do the thing that you think you've done or do you kind of go with it and i am more of the in between i guess so i I wouldn't dismiss it i think the problem is if you dismiss it offhand so someone says to you oh i've got angel wings can you see them you go no don't be ridiculous you haven't got angel wings and the next time that patient's probably not going to come and talk to you about mm. other issues that they have because you've shut them down there. But the other side, I don't go, yeah, they're brilliant. What beautiful wings you have, you know, because you, you don't want to go with it either because it might cause them problems later in, in life. So you kind of have to be in the middle and go, oh, right. Okay. Well, you know, what do they look like and things? That, so you can ask them questions about it, but without um, verifying it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you almost don't want to patronize yeah, them by. Yeah. You don't want to patronize them going, no, you're wrong because what benefit is that to me or the patient? You know, the patient is going to be distressed. 
I'm not going to get to talk to them again. Um, but but like I said, again, you have to be careful. You don't want to agree with things that are wrong. So if a patient's very paranoid about um, police or detectives, things that are after them, you can't then go, oh, you know, you're, yeah, you're right, the police are after you. You know, you need to be kind of mindful, kind of, um, I've become an expert at just using the term, mm. so it's not yes or no. I'm just yeah. Saying, mm, all right, okay. Uh, tell me about it and get them to talk about it, but not kind of um, confirm it. It's just like sit on the fence. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to be a bit like a politician, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not in a bad way. And, and uh, the other thing I would say as well is that um, I'd never laugh at the patients either. No. So not laughing at delusions and things like that. Sometimes funny things happen on the ward and there's nothing you can do because there is funny things to do with the illness and things like that. But it's more, the patients often say that they know when they get a better where they can laugh at themselves. Right, yeah. When they can look back and go, oh my God, was I thinking that? That was really daft or whatever um and then i think it's appropriate for you to go oh yeah that was a bit strange you know um can you talk about any of the funny things so you know we have a remembrance day where everyone stops for a minute yeah um we we're taking a patient out on a trip out we were coming back through the our reception area because we have to be searched when we go back in and everyone had kind of stopped and stood up and you know paused for a minute and the patient kind of looked round, like starey eyes going am i doing this he thought that he'd like stop time because everyone obviously had stopped talking and stopped moving. <laughs> and I had to explain to him, and I know, it, it's like I remember on Sunday, he was getting really freaked out because he thought this was, um, his mind had stopped. Everything. Like a Bernard's watch moment. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but so, so they're quite funny. And he laughs now. He goes, oh God, yeah, I can't believe that. But you have to try and talk to him about them and say, oh no, that's because of this. And, and that's what I like to do as well. I like to just explain to him, oh no, it's not that. It's, it's this, you know. Um, yeah, so that was quite funny. Have you ever had moments where you're about to stay off a laughter because you just know it's not appropriate to laugh? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't want to get you into trouble. <laughs> I, there's, there's lots of moments like that. I can see one that happened. So basically we had, a, we had a handover once and they said to us, okay, so there's a patient who's been making kind of funny comments and, and saying strange things. And, and what he'll do is he'll say something inappropriate. And then if you laugh, he'll keep saying it. So the handover was, can you imagine this for handover? They said, try not to laugh. Hmm. If he says something try not to laugh at it so i'm in the community area and of course he comes over and he says john 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 yeah he says, <laughs> 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 so someone told me not to laugh and of course i have laughed and of course then he's done that for the rest of the day he's done that sound for the rest of the day but i couldn't help it what can i do yeah so there's funny things that happen all the time on the ward and and I, that's why i love the job because it's just comedy and there's different things happen and you know so how can our listeners find out about your podcast if they want to have a listen Okay, so you can find it on anywhere you find podcasts, like Apple, Google, wherever, or you can go to the St. Andrew's website and it'll be there as well. And it's called On The Ward. On The Ward, and you can search for us on Twitter as well, uh, hashtag On The Ward. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you you very much. Thank you.